Welcome to the Write It Down Podcast at Home Edition. I'm your host, Brooke Murata, bringing you one-on-one interviews to challenge, inspire, and encourage. Today, we are just going to be listening to me talk. What a gift to you. Um, Thank you guys so much for watching um, all 82 and now 83 episodes of the Write It Down Podcast. Um, Today, I talk about my marathon. I talk about what I'm learning in my own mental health, what I'm learning in scripture, what I'm learning about my own routine and how that you guys can create a routine for yourself to um, create a better day and to be able to go to sleep and stay asleep. Um, I mentioned in the podcast that people have um, told me they struggle with insomnia and um, disturbed sleep. And so I hope that some of the tips and tricks that I share at the end of this episode will help you sleep better and stay asleep. Thank you so much again for supporting Write It Down. You know what to do. Sit back, relax, and get your pens ready because this is Write It Down. Welcome back to the Write It Down podcast. I'm your host, Brooke Barada. As you guys know, today uh, we have no special guests besides myself. Um, So I'm going to just kind of go through some of the things that have gone on in my life. A lot of y'all have asked me about my marathon and how that went. I'd love to talk a little bit and reflect on Dr. Mike Ronces Valley's episodes, his two-part series, and then of course, Rich Eisen coming on for episode 82. I was super honored that he did that. And also just kind of share with you guys what I've been learning um, in my own life and in my walk with God and just some tips and tricks of a better night's sleep because I've actually um, had a few people recently come up to me and tell me about how they struggle with insomnia. And so um, I don't think I've ever struggled like necessarily with insomnia, but I've gone through bouts in my life where sleeping was a lot more difficult and I've always kind of been a restless sleeper. So I have some things that I do personally, and then also some things that have been suggested by experts in the arena. So we have a fun filled show today. um, And I'm super excited that you guys are joining me today. Uh, For starters, um, I do want to talk about my marathon, hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I've had some people say, um, you know, like, or ask uh, rather, what was like the hardest part of the marathon? Honestly, mile four, um, my legs started locking up and I was like, dang, this is going to be the hardest thing I've ever done because it was so cold. Like the, the, um, temperature was around 40 in the morning. You're supposed to pack clothes that you can throw away, throw away. I say, but they, um, the city of Chicago picks it up and donates it to, um, homeless shelters and things like that. So, you're supposed to bring extra um, clothing. And while I'm on the plane on my way to Chicago, I'm sitting next to this guy who has run 170 marathons. He has an Excel spreadsheet that he keeps track of. And I'm like, nay, freaking nay. And he's like gung ho. He's like, you're going to want to do more, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, mm, no, not really. Especially training in Florida and 80 degree weather where I'm getting heat rashes on my face and I look busted. So no, thank you. But anyway, so I befriend this man on the plane on the way to Chicago and he is so sweet, giving me so much advice and kind of taking me into his little community that he traveled with to Chicago marathon. The one girl that was with him had just run the London marathon a couple weeks prior. And she's just doing this because why not? I'm like, "Mm, yeah, no, I've literally given every ounce of me to try to just finish this race. So long story short, the next morning, um, he finds out, which is race day, Sunday morning, that I don't have clothes 
like I do. I mean, that sounded like really abrupt. I did have clothes. That sounds disgusting, but no, I didn't have enough warm clothes. And, um, he had given me some extras that he had a jacket, you know, a sweater. I went to CVS and bought gloves and it's freezing in the morning. Um, there's no sunshine. It's just bitter cold. And they say that in October in Chicago, it's actually a nice time to go because come winter, nobody's outside. So anyways, I'm nervous about my race. And then wave one goes and this man leaves a different man leaves his pants on the fence. So I go grab the stranger's pants and I put them on for the next 45 minutes to stay warm. The gun goes off to go for my wave. And we're shedding clothes by mile one and two. We're kind of getting warmed up mile four. My leg locks up like no other. I'm like, this is it. This is how I head out. Like I can't even make it to mile five for 26.2 miles. I push through it. I would say right around, I don't want to bore you guys with details, but right around mile 20 ish. um, I started to feel like this is the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, Mile 20 I was on mile 22 and we're going on one way of the street and I can see mile 24. Like you've reached mile 24 on the opposite side. So the whole time I'm running 22, I think I'm on 23, but really you're looping around this big neighborhood. You reach 23 and then you come back out to reach 24. So really the people I was running next to on the other side of the road were reaching 24 while I was still on 22. So that kind of messed with my mind a little bit because it is a mental game. Um, and right around this area, people were dropping like flies. They just started walking. Um, and I'm like, man, I'm seeing some people from wave one, you know, walk. And this one thing I would do differently with the marathon, if I ever did one again, Lord willing, maybe probably not is, um, track my time or sorry. Um, yeah, keep track of my time because I didn't wear a watch. I didn't have my app running on my phone because it burns your battery. And I just figured, oh, I'll just listen to my body. You know how these people with their health, they're like, listen to your body. If your body wants a mushroom, eat mushrooms. If your body wants a snack, eat a snack. Like, listen to your body on mile four. It's like, I'm not good at listening to my body, apparently. I need a tracker and I need help. I need an assistant, truly, in my life. But that's another story. So I continue to to run this, just listening to my body. And that got me four hours and seven minutes. And I really wanted sub four. I came out too, um, too fast in the beginning. Didn't think I did because everybody is sluggishly trying to get through. I mean, there's 45,000 people running this race. So to get past the start line is, is hard in itself. So I thought I was going slow. I look back on my stats. It was like eight 13. I started my, my miles, my first few miles, I was around an eight thirteen pace. Um, apparently my dad texted my mom towards the end going, did she stop? No, I didn't. I didn't stop running once. Um, I started to shuffle and move my feet and that was the hardest thing I've ever done. So, and the pictures that came back from the marathon, marathon photos were absolutely wretched. Um, there's a few I posted, of course, I'm only going to post my best side because I looked 100% busted and disgusting. And every, like, they tell you to like, be aware of the camera and don't act like you can't see them because you're just going to be mad at your pictures. And I thought, I thought I was paying attention to the camera when I would see it, but I was in pain and I would smile and I'd go. And it was just really bad. So anyways, moving past that, the cool timing of having Dr. Mike Ronsestalli on the show was right around marathon time. And as you guys know, I ran the Chicago marathon with American foundation of suicide prevention. And so many people gave money. Thank you so much. Um, and, and I was able to run for something I, um, 
just something that's very important to me, I should say. So what was cool about it is having Dr. Mike on, on there, um, on write it down, I should say. And we were discussing mental health and, and mental health awareness, um, just has blossomed over the last what five to 10 years. And so it's really cool to have a medical professional come on the show and, and just describe the different uh, mental health regimes and the different mental health disorders and, and how to combat them and things that we need to do. And then also um, I am aware that not everybody who listens or watches write it down is a Christian, but also as a Christian, um, having that balance of faith and um, just mental health help. So that was really cool to have him on here. Some of the things that um, I took away from that was counseling or therapy. Everybody could benefit from it. Um, coaching is more or less when you're already healthy and you just need somebody to kind of um, just quote coach you on um just different things in your life and how you manage it. So, you know, I shared a little bit that I had um, OCD and went through that journey and that was like a two-year process. And, um, you know, I had somebody obviously be more frequent in counseling me. Um, it would be group counseling and then one-on-one. And then it got to a point where you can fizzle out and just maintain and just kind of check in once every six months. Um, the biggest thing that I think with mental with mental health is, um, you know, there's a generation of people who keep their cards close to their chest and it's like, they were raised that way. And they're like, we don't emote. Then there's this next generation coming up and every feeling they feel needs to be talked about and posted and expressed. And it's just nauseating both ends. So there's gotta be a happy medium. Right. So, uh, what I, what I think would be helpful is meeting in the middle and um, knowing yourself. Knowing yourself is huge. It's the same thing with anything else that you could potentially struggle with or enjoy. For instance, if you struggle with alcoholism, you're not going to go work at a bar or be around it every single night. Knowing yourself. I don't struggle with alcoholism. So being around a bar scene does not affect me. Doesn't mean I'm better or anything like that. It just means I know myself and it means you know yourself. So I think when you sit in a counselor's office and you have somebody that is um, looking objectively at your situation, they're, they're outside of the situation looking in and they're able to say, okay, well, it sounds to me like this is a pattern you have, and this is a pattern X, Y, and Z has in your life. So what are the boundaries that you can put in place? What are the guardrails in your own life that you can put into place? And so, um, for me, like I would struggle and, um, with sadly with going to church and church was a huge thing in my life and still is, I'm not renouncing the faiths for all you people who are a little crazy is um, with my OCD, if I would was going through a struggling period, going to church wasn't helpful because my OCD attached itself to my walk with Jesus, which was super sad and super weird to navigate. So I would be like, all right, I have to take a healthy break from this because where most people would go and sit in the session or a sermon and get something from it and healthily be encouraged and convicted and um, be able to sit through it, I would sit there and I would start to spiral and be like, well, what is God trying to say to me? And I would just nitpick everything. And it wasn't good for my my brain at all. So it's like, Lord, I'm taking a break and God knows where you're at. God knows who you are. 
which brings me to my next point, something I've learned um, with uh, my my study in scripture recently is um, there is two books in the Bible, Ezra and Nehemiah, and to kind of set the scene is God's people, the Israelites, um, don't have a temple. They're in Babylonian captivity, and um, their first temple was destroyed. And um, so at this point, the Persian Empire takes over Babylon. So Israelites are in captivity with Babylon. Persia takes over Babylon. You guys can look this up outside of the Bible because it's just history or humanities. Um, So King Cyrus is the king of Persia at the time. And what I love about this, um, and this just, again, illustrates my point that God knows who we are, where we are, and what we're dealing with. And if your walk with the Lord looks different than somebody else's, it's honestly a good thing. And it's, I, I believe after reading this story that God delights in the fact that we're all on different paths, um, and that we all need him just the same, but not everything is cookie cutter, you know? we're jacked up and he's not surprised by that. He's not like, Oh my gosh, Brooke was going to have struggles with mental health. Oh my gosh. Sally was going to struggle with alcoholism. Oh, Jim was going to go through a divorce. He's not like, how am I going to, you know, save them? How am I going to help them? Like that's not running through his mind. He is not finite like that. So anyways, Cyrus King of Persia who took over Babylon, who Babylon was overseeing actually, having Israel in captivity. So what I love about this is King Cyrus, who does not follow God or Yahweh or the one true God, um, and he's more pagan. He is appointed over it, over Israel, and basically gives Israel permission to go back um, to their land to build the wall, which is Nehemiah's book. And then Ezra's book is talking about rebuilding the temple and King Cyrus gives the Israelites permission to do this and basically says, if anybody comes in your way, eat them, get them out. And I'm like, dang, this guy's not even a Christian. There's scripture. And this is what really got me was the Lord talking to Cyrus. Many of you guys have probably read this before and thought, Oh, this is about God saying this to me. And I'm not saying he's not, just saying the context of this, the Lord is talking to King Cyrus at this moment in Isaiah, basically prophesying that Cyrus is going to be the one to allow the Israelites to build their temple again. This is what the Lord says to his anointed to Cyrus, which I think is great that he says Cyrus, you know, the guy anointed here because Cyrus is not even a Christian, um, which being a Christian when Christ came, so whatever legality, whatever. Um, to Cyrus, whose right hand I take a hold of, to subdue nations before him and to strip kings of their armor, to open doors before him so that gates will not be shut. He says this to Cyrus, I will go before you, level the mountains. I'll break down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. This one, verse three, I will give you hidden treasures, riches stored in secret places so that you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, who summons you by name for the sake of Jacob, my servant, aka Israel, Israelites, I summon you by name and bestow you a title of honor, even though you do not acknowledge me. So what I think that describes, and I'm almost done with my my sermon part of the podcast, what that shows me is that God honors people 
God acknowledges people and God loves people before they even acknowledge him. And that is the whole beautiful aspect of the gospel. It's the whole thing about the gospel that Christ died for us when we could do nothing for him. And what I love about that as well is like the intimacy that God is talking to King Cyrus, because if you read the old Testament, the Israelites are God's chosen people, but they have this way about them that they're just like, I'm God's chosen, even though I keep screwing things up. And they kind of have this attitude, this like elitist attitude. And the Lord is showing that's not how I am. Like, I am bestowing honor on this king who doesn't even acknowledge me for the sake of my people because I just can't stop being good and I just can't stop being loving. So with that being said, how does that apply to you? You're going through things. You have been angry with God. You have um, watched people suffer. You've watched people die. You've watched injustice. You've watched all of it unfold before you. And you're like, "Mm, God doesn't care. Or maybe you've gone through something in your own mind um, and your body or your mind, whether it's you know your body with cancer or your body with some sort of diagnosis is attacking itself and you can't um, heal or your mind is against you and attacking itself. But what this scripture, you know, the, the, the God that we have is a God that doesn't leave us and doesn't leave us in that pit. He, you know, shows us himself and he bestows riches and an honor in secret places. And when you get through it, cause you will, you will know him better and you will see that he was not, um, he was not the product of your circumstances. He was greater than that. So that's my sermon for today. We can put that under wraps, but these are some of the things that I have grown and learned in my walk with God and grown and learned in my marathon and just my own mental health. We're going to take a quick break to discuss, write it down brand new website. You can head over to widpod.com, W-I-D-P-O-D.com and see all the goods. You'll notice a banner at the top of the page that says learn more. If you click that link, it'll show you how you can support Write It Down. P.S. My favorite part about the website is the Wid Wall, which is a collection of all the Write It Downs from the show. This podcast is made possible by the 1513 Network. So show the network some love and support by listening to their other shows. If not, just stick with Write It Down because I'm the coolest, the realest, the illest. Now, back to the show. Moving on to different things um, because I could sit here and talk all day um, about this stuff because I just get geeked out. Um, one of the things that I definitely wanted to share on here was um, the sleep regime. So, or the regimen, I keep saying regime. It's a great word. It's a rich word. I use the word regal a lot too. And I don't know, I don't really know if I know what that means, but it sounds fancy, but um, insomnia. So I've had a few people actually, um, tell me over this last year, how they're struggling with insomnia. And I don't think that, um, that is a minority. I think a lot of people, um, the majority of people do struggle with insomnia or some form of, um, sleep disturbances. So here's a few things that you can do to, um, enhance your sleep. So it's suggested that adults are supposed to get seven to nine hours of sleep. Um, some of you guys are like, "Mm, I think I've gotten seven or nine hours of sleep my entire life. Um, that sucks. So I'm not going to even deny that, but you guys have heard it said before to limit your screen time before bed. Um, which that's hard to do because I know for me, I'm normally on Pinterest or, 
um, shopping with money I don't have on Amazon just to see some of the things I love because I'm bougie. Uh, but limit your screen time. Alcohol and caffeine, not good um, near bedtime. It is suggested. I actually looked this up yesterday. It suggested that uh, you only have a maximum amount of 400 milligrams of coffee a day, maximum. So what that looks like is a cup of coffee is about 95 to hundred milligrams of caffeine. So that's four cups of coffee, but there's caffeine hidden in other things like chocolate and um, teas and um, some other drinks that you might drink throughout the day. So just be cognizant that just because you're having one or two cups of coffee and you're like, oh, I'm below 400 you might not be, you might have some caffeine, just like sugar is snuck in a lot of foods. So be mindful of that. Um, for me, I am an old lady and I can't have caffeine past two o'clock unless I'm staying up until 2am because I am very sensitive to caffeine and it gets my heart rate up and it makes me anxious. So I've limited myself to like one cup of coffee in the morning, call it a day. Um, but when I'm traveling, it's different. I like all my rules go out the window. Um, make your bedroom cool and dark when you're going to bed. I also would like to touch on sleep hygiene. What is sleep hygiene? Okay. So our brains are cluttered. Sometimes you hear, this is another little tip. Sometimes you hear it's better to write out your to-dos and write out what's on your mind before you go to bed to get it all out of your head so that you can go to bed and not think about it. Because most of the time, I think also with moms, not a mom, thank the Lord. Um, it's a lot of work right now. But you go to bed and you're sitting there going, okay, well, I got to get, you know, such and such to school tomorrow. I got to get such and such to dance. I got to do this. I got to grocery shop. I got to get my husband. Blah, blah, blah. So they say to write it all out before you go to bed. No, it's on paper and you're not going to forget it. But with that being said, with sleep hygiene, having your brain cluttered before you go to bed isn't good for you. It's also not good to have your room cluttered before you go to bed. So if you have a pile of laundry that needs to be put away and you just keep putting it on your treadmill or putting it on your desk chair or whatever it is and not getting it done and then you got all this crap on the floor and like that's clutter. That's not helping your sleep hygiene. So you want to have clean sheets. I recommend cleaning your sheets every two weeks um, unless you're funky and you don't shower before you go to bed, which that's a whole nother story. Um, if you shower in the morning or at night, because I think when you go to bed, you should shower before you get in your bed. That's disgusting. And I used to have this rule. I still have this rule that if you're going to sleep in my bed and haven't showered, you have to at least wash your feet. Amen. Hallelujah. It's holy. Get your nasty feet out of my bed. It's gross. So sleep hygiene, having your room clean, having your sheets cleaned. It's really good for me. I also use a sound machine because I am a toddler and I like white noise because I hear one pin drop and my eyes are going to shoot open and I'm look crazy. So sound machine is good. Just on a low volume, it keeps a consistent noise instead of your fan tapping every two and a half seconds. But then the next time it taps four seconds and there's no real rhythm. So having a rhythmic, again, you're trying to enter a rhythmic sleep cycle. So why wouldn't you have a rhythmic sound or a loud box fan, something that creates a consistency so that your sleep can be consistent. Next, some people might get claustrophobia with this, but a sleep mask, I have a pink pink silk sleep mask. And I love wearing it. The only thing I have a problem with is in the morning, my eyebrows are like a tarantula in the morning because it presses on there. Not a big deal. We work through it. I have Fenty eyebrow um, pen. So cheers to that. And exercise. Some people like exercising right when they wake up at the butt crack of dawn and gets them going and makes them feel productive for the day, which I don't understand you, but if that's your thing, that's okay. But make sure that you are squeezing in exercise or some sort 
or some form of um, activity um, within the first. So let's say you're going to bed at nine o'clock in your grandma, you know, maybe try to move around six or seven. Um, I know people eat dinner, avoid eating late, avoid eating big meals late at night. Your body has to work to process that. So it's harder for your body to relax and go to bed. These are some tips and tricks. Last tip I will say, this is free advice. This is something that effectively worked for me was magnesium three and eight. So magnesium, as we know, is, um, I believe I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's an electrolyte and it's an essential electrolyte that you would need. So like potassium, magnesium, and sodium magnesium. I've had a shortage of apparently. And I used to get these really bad cramps when I would work out. And sometimes they still happen if I eat the wrong foods, but it'd be like having a Charlie horse in your stomach. So I I was told to just have regular magnesium, right? 500 milligrams, whatever, just whatever. But there's different forms of magnesium. I guess there's a ton more than we would know, but magnesium three and eight is a magnesium that goes through your blood brain barrier. So that's triple B blood brain barrier, the triple B magnesium three and eight goes through and it goes into the center of your brain that is, um, that produces over, I believe it's the frontal cortex. I should have looked this up before I acted like I knew what I was talking about, but this is just kind of popped in my head. That could be helpful, but the anxiety center of your brain, that's constantly working. This magnesium goes through the triple B blood brain barrier and relaxes the control center of your brain. Um, and you take it at night it is pricey. I can link it, um, but you can get it on Amazon. You can get it at um, health food stores, but again, could be a placebo who knows, but it worked for me for six months and um, I would take it before I went to bed. It's a natural supplement. Your body needs magnesium. Anyways, you would take it a couple hours before you go to bed and creating a routine for yourself is huge, which brings me to my next point about routine. Um, skincare. As you guys know, I had Bethany McDaniel on the podcast, who is the founder and owner of Primarily Pure Cosmetics. I don't think it's cosmetics, Primarily Pure. My bad. Sorry, Bethany. Love you, girl. But Primarily Pure. Um, and she's got, sorry, Primarily Pure Skincare. Why did I say cosmetics? Is because I love cosmetics, but Primarily Pure Skincare. And um, so I, obviously bought her products. Um, I became an affiliate. If you want to buy primarily pure products, use code WIDPOD for 10% off. We're also going to be releasing a code, um, come black Friday. Um, so that'll be super exciting. It'll only be valid black Friday weekend, but you'll get more off and you'll get a special gift. So be on the lookout for that. I will post about it, but anyways, primarily pure. Um, I've been using their products and I love it. I feel like my skin is 100% glowing. Um, and that is not a egotistical statement. I just love what I've been, um, seeing with my skin. She has different lines. So you can go on primarily pure, excuse me.com and you can take the skin quiz and it will tell you what line of products that you should buy. Um, they are very effective. And what I love about it is it makes my nighttime routine even more um, exciting. Um, it's the same thing that they recommend with babies when you will give them a bath before bed, whether they need one or not, because it relaxes their body, the warm water, the lavender, whatever you choose to use, you should use lavender. Um, cause it smells so good when a little baby smells like little lavender. Uh, but so it's the same thing with yourself, right? And I'm all about coddling myself. 
And because I make a joke all the time that my family doesn't love me and doesn't want to take care of me anymore. And they would remind me that next month I'm turning 27 and I can't be babied. But if no one's going to baby you in this life, baby yourself. Okay. But not like self-deprecating or victimizing yourself. I'm talking like products and going to bed and creating a rhythm for yourself. Um, self-care, you know what I'm saying? I'm all about self-care. Cheers. Um, so with that, I would definitely try to implement some things also floss and brush your teeth. That's nasty. Um, if you don't, and I think that everybody has, again, their own things that they do. As you guys saw it with Taylor Cusack, we both use sponges, not washcloths. Don't use washcloth. You're just sloshing around your dirt, get a loofah, get a scrub brush, get something for those dead skin cells. It's nasty. I know I'm not a health coach or a pastor, but you just came to write it down podcast to get both and a little life update from yours truly. I would like to end the show with my own write it down and kind of circle back to what I was talking about with King Cyrus. You can read this in Ezra Nehemiah if you want or Google it. I don't care. You know, you can go to a regular history book and read this. Okay. You don't even need scripture if you're anti-scripture, which the Lord is going to acknowledge you even if you don't acknowledge him because he's nice and he's good. But anyways, one thing that I struggled with a lot was if I was going to miss God's plan or if I was going to miss what God had for me, because there is a level of fear that's in all of us that whether you're Christian or not, that mm, maybe I'm going to mess this up and it's just going to alter my entire future because we are created to crave the future and to know what's going to happen next, which is why people go down the, the route of psychics and tarot cards and palm readings and signs and all these different things. So because we are created for more and that is just a longing God put in us, look it up in Ecclesiastes, not a big deal. Anyways, one of the things that I've just seen over and over and over again is how much God's people, when they screw up, they still don't miss it. I don't know how that works besides the sovereignty of a God who loves us and loves us too much. So I would like you to put yourselves in the position of being a parent. Again, I'm not a parent. Thank you, Lord. When I babysit, I'm always reminded it's like literally to life. It's literally 18 to life. It's like a prison sentence with having children, which I want children. I do love babies, but just it's a lot of work. But anyways, put yourself in a position where you are a parent and your kid keeps messing up, but you have good things for them still because you love them and you can't, you can't describe it, right? When your baby is born, you're like, I can't describe why I love this little baby so much and I want to do anything I can for this child. So they keep screwing up. You're not going to withhold your love for them. You're going to be frustrated. You're going to be like, listen, you're knucklehead. But your love and your plan for your kid and what you see your kid. So if you see a gift or um, just a drive in your kid, you're still going to foster that. You're still going to see them and basically imagine the life that they're past this terrible phase. And that's when it, that's going to keep you going. God is like that, but he infinitely more. He doesn't look at you and go, well, crap. They totally mess this up. They're not listening to me. I'm going to withhold from them. That's not how God works. It's not a, if you do this, then I'll do this. So I would get tripped up a lot on like, okay, well, you know, maybe I took the wrong job or maybe I'm dating the wrong person or maybe I'm whatever living in the wrong town. You can play that game all you want. 
But what I've learned from even what God spoke over Cyrus is he established plan Cyrus, not Silas, sorry, Cyrus. He established plans for him and summoned him by name, even though he wasn't even acknowledged. And that's the same God that we have today. And so my write it down, get your pens ready is you won't miss it. And that is something to bring you comfort. That is something to um, hopefully get you thinking more about how good and awesome and gracious God is and how he's not waiting for you to mess up. And so, yeah, that is my TED talk on the write it down podcast. Thank you guys for listening. As you guys can see, I'm doing most of my podcasts. I say most, but all of them now from home. Um, We um, with the 1513 network, there's just been a lot of changes, great changes, a lot of personal life changes for myself and for Jordan and for Ethan and for Marshall and the crew that has been so faithful to help me with my show, a lot of personal life stuff happening. And so um, we just decided to probably be the most um, conducive to, for me to do this at home and to learn how to video edit and all that. That being said, um, I really, really appreciate your support. I have Patreon, our patrons that um, give monthly to keep this podcast going. So if you are not a patron and would like to monetarily support the Write It Down podcast, go to patreon.com slash write it down podcast, or you can go to widpod.com and click the banner on the top and become a patron. What a pay, what Patreon is, is a site for video um, content podcast creators to set up a portal for people who want to support them monthly or support them one time um, to continue to keep their creator creative efforts moving forward. So thank you so much for, for giving and for believing in this dream and for watching and supporting and sharing. Um, I am excited for the day um, that there's just uh, more connections and um, more opportunities for the write it down podcast or myself as a TV show or radio host or whatever God has for me. Um, But with that being said, you won't miss it write it down. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the write it down podcast. This podcast is a part of the 1513 network. You can catch a variety of shows on their website, 1513.com. If you enjoy listening to write it down, please subscribe, share with your friends. And if there's any ink left in your pen, write a review for more content. Follow the fun on Instagram by following at W I D P-O-D. That spells WIDPOD. Super cool. Stands for Write It Down Podcast, but it's abbreviated to WIDPOD. Anyways, thanks for listening and we will catch you later.